Welcome to First Mile's Climate Heroes. I'm your host, Bruce Bratley, founder of recycling company First Mile. On this show, we meet and learn from the climate heroes who are building solutions right now to tackle climate change. A recent DEFRA review on landscapes found that people of colour are disconnected from green spaces and Natural England has revealed that just 1% of national park visitors come from black and ethnically diverse backgrounds. According to my guest on this episode, the countryside is a non-inclusive space, but in her words, everyone should have the chance to experience all nature has to offer. It's free therapy for your mind, body and soul. And I couldn't agree more. Rianne Fatanikan is founder of Black Girls Hike, which is providing a space for black women to explore the outdoors. Black Girls Hike is challenging the status quo, encouraging black women to reconnect with nature by hosting nationwide group hikes and outdoor activities. Rianne, welcome to First Mile's Climate Heroes. It's fantastic to have you on the show. Hello, thanks for having me. It's great to have you on the show and really, really excited to hear your story and hear how you and everybody you involve in your organization is uh, is getting involved in in nature so let's start with how did you get to this point why did you set up black girls hike have you always been a outdoor woman out there romping up mountains since a young age no i was never really outdoorsy when i was younger i was really into sports though when i was at school like cross country netball i was on the athletics team and i founded black girls hike back in 2019 because i wanted to do something for my well-being more than anything so at the time i worked in the civil service and i was a bit unfulfilled in my job i was a bit stressed and there was just this one day that i was on the train going through the peak district and i've been thinking about doing something new, spending my time in like a positive way. And I was just watching these hikers get on and off. And I just decided that actually I'm going to take up hiking. And it was a really, really, just a really spare of the moment idea. It's funny actually, because for months after I started the group, my mum would say, are you still hiking? Because I don't <laughs> think that she um, thought that it would last that long. But yeah, that was kind of like the one of the, the main reasons why I started the group. And then I decided to create a space for black women just because I didn't see us represented in the outdoors. I didn't have a lot of, didn't have any friends that, you know, went hiking. And I just kind of felt like it was something that we weren't necessarily included in, but nature should be for everybody. And um, so that's the idea behind Black Girls Hike. So it's, you started in 2019, which is sort of, quite good timing really oh, well it was maybe really bad timing because when covid happened then we all sort of had to stay at home for a while and presumably that curtailed any hiking for three or four months or whatever that initial lockdown was but then we were allowed to, we weren't allowed to get on airplanes or go anywhere else or really travel but then lots of people sort of discovered their local communities their local green spaces uh walking you know particularly in 2020 but 21 as well before people could sort of go further afield did you find that that was very helpful for the organization were you finding lots of people who were sort of reevaluating what they did and their relationship with nature or even just their relationship with the four walls that they were trapped in during covid as a result of that yeah definitely so we definitely had like a massive growth during lockdown because when everyone was only allowed to go on the what i used to call the boris walk do you remember when he said you can go out for one hour um, and I think that that's when people started like discovering the local green spaces and then just kind of being inspired to go further as well. I think a lot of people spent 
a lot of lockdown online as well. So obviously there's all that inspiration that you can see of like people in the outdoors, all these amazing places within the UK. So I think that kind of definitely got people wanting to step out a bit further. And then also they just realised that being in green spaces was just so good for the mental health. I think everyone was really, really suffering in lockdown. But then obviously we also had Black Lives Matter as well. And it was just the constant... All you ever heard on the news was negative stuff. It was like, you're more likely to die from COVID. You're more likely to do this because obviously you you black person. So it was a really, really stressful time, I would say, for the community. And what we did is, so we weren't necessarily, um, you know, because they limited the numbers. So we could still go out in groups of six. So we carried on doing that. And then we also created a directory in our Facebook group so that people could just link with people that were local and then they could just buddy up and then go on a walk. So it was a good way for people to still connect. And I think those connections as well are really important for your health as well. So yeah, it was really positive. It actually turned into a really positive time, even though it was something that was so negative. Well, I think more relevant than ever, really, because if you're a white person and you decide to go out walking in a group of two or three, you're probably more likely to see or chat to some other white people. But actually, if you're black or from an ethnically diverse background and it's quite alienating and it feels like a white person's domain, then going out, you know, alone or in a in a couple, probably quite intimidating because there was so many people out walking um, and almost sort of more, the presence of more people may become sort of like more alienating. Was that your experience? It's not my personal experience, but I know that it is the experience of some people in the group who haven't really felt comfortable going in the outdoors. But probably because they've not had that exposure to the outdoors, so they've not necessarily got the skills, they don't know kind of like maybe like the outdoor etiquette. And we did um, some work with some young people in London as part of this like project with the Wildlife Trust. And we asked them, what do you think about the outdoors? And they basically said to, to them, the outdoors is somewhere that it costs money to get to because of where it is. You won't necessarily feel safe. You don't necessarily know that you've got the skills. One person said, what if I got injured? How do I know that the people around me would help me? So I feel like people have so many different reservations about going in the outdoors. But I feel like one of the main things is not feeling like they're part of the community that's in the outdoors. And that's sort of, but that's sort of reflected in the numbers, and hopefully it's changing. I mean, I was just looking at the Ramblers Association website, and um, I think they're doing a good thing because they're actually starting to talk about this and, and publishing the numbers. But it's only got two percent of its members that are black and from an ethnically diverse background. But they do seem to have a roadmap to change, and they, you know, they recognise that we need to open up the countryside for all. And you know, you mentioned the wildlife. Uh, trust and there's various natural England various other bodies is that representation the same across all these organizations and is it changing it's interesting you say that actually because I was actually on like a zoom last night with one of the outdoor organizations that's wanting to do a rebrand so they're basically wanting to get like input from different people that run community groups Um, and what I would say is that the organisations themselves within them are not changing. It's still the same people that work there. They're just being moved into different positions, getting different job titles. And I think what's really interesting is these people are creating all of these roadmaps. Like, why now? Why is it suddenly an interest to them now? Is it because it's like societal pressure? It obviously is societal pressure. It's not something that they wholeheartedly believe in. Otherwise, they wouldn't just be doing this now. 
Um, so I feel like a lot of it is really performative and it is really frustrating because I've spoken to loads of these organisations and they and they tell you the things that they're, they're going to do and they're just kind of really basic and they're not radical and the stuff that they should be doing already. Um, in fact, I did a talk um, this year for Natural England and their one, their, one of their um, diversity leads said, you know, we do more here to accommodate dogs than disabled people. And I just thought that's really interesting. <laughs> Wow, that's not where we want to be. And it's interesting that you mentioned diversity there because what we're trying to do as society is have diversity, but we're also having inclusion. And I think what you're trying to push with Black Girls Hunt is for black people and and people of colour to be included in nature and in outdoor activities. And quite often people talk about and report on diversity, but less so around the inclusion. And you feel like we've got a diversity and an inclusion problem, or do you think we're moving forward on diversion but not inclusion enough? It's equity what we really need. It's not it's not inclusion or diversity. It doesn't matter how many black and brown people people want to put in their marketing. If your organization, the makeup of your organization doesn't reflect that, then obviously you're not really doing the work. If you're not creating a space where, you know, black and brown people can come into your organization and, and make that change, then you're obviously you're not doing the work. So I think that it's it's equity that we really need. People are stuck on this kind of like this diversity thing at the moment. Um, and I feel like people just see it now as like a box ticking thing. It's like, oh, let's put this black person in this advert. Um, have you seen that? I don't know if you've seen um, a couple of organisations. I think it's the Ramblers, actually, that have done a rebrand. And f- from their rebrand, I know that that's not representative of what their organisation looks like on the inside. It sort of goes into the into the management as well. And, and I, I couldn't find the date of this report, so it may well have changed. But it was maybe the DEFRA Landscapes report as well. But I think also less than 1% of national park governing bodies in the UK are people of colour. So you're massively underrepresented on the, you know, on the management of the institutions as well, which is exactly, exactly. And so, if they really cared about inclusion and creating equitable, like an equitable outdoors, do you not think that these are the things that they should be addressing, like the internal makeup of the organisation, instead of all the little PR things about, oh, we're working with this um, marginalised group? But is the if you look at um, some of the leading brands around sort of outdoor lifestyle and outdoor equipment have they got a similar sort of issue with underrepresentation or their image and are they, are they sort of uh, promoting nature and the outdoors as a as a sort of realm of white people or are they becoming more diverse in terms of the representation of their brands so the brands now it's it's all marketing isn't them isn't it for them trying to say that they're diverse it's not um it's because they want to make more money. So I've worked, I work with loads of brands um, that will use um, obviously diverse people in the marketing and the company is completely white. Every single person that you deal with on the team at the brand is white. And then it's also, it's, it's, it's sometimes it's kind of like they want to work with you, but they want everything to kind of fit their angle. So it's always from their lens. They're not kind of like open to input. It's not like a, a reciprocal relationship. It's more just like really tokenistic. So it's like, okay, we want to use this black person in our marketing and let's make them wear red so it really stands out and we're being really diverse. And it's just little things like that. 
no, I don't think the brands are doing enough. In fact, I think what they actually do is can be quite damaging to the smaller grassroots organisations because it's the way they just kind of like use them and then kind of like discard them. And it's obviously it's not a reciprocal relationship. Those organisations don't necessarily have like the resources and the know-how to be kind of like navigating these relationships with these brands. So sometimes it's quite exploitive, to, I would say. And so why is it important? So I'm trying, you know, we're, we're a sort of a climate environment uh, podcast. And I was really keen to have you on the show because I think a key part of people, if we're going to care about the climate and the planet and nature and biodiversity, you actually have to go and have a look at it. You know, I always use the sort of the parallel where my son really deeply cares about his iPhone and it's just about the only thing he doesn't ever lose. And he definitely spends a lot of time looking at that. So why is it important for everybody to go and see, feel, experience nature? Oh, there's, there's so many reasons why, mainly because we are part of nature and, and nature's kind of like, it should be something that's really natural within us. But then also we are in a climate crisis. I, I keep calling it the last season of Earth. And for some reason, humans just keep rushing all the episodes. So now we're like down to six <laughs> instead of 12. And basically, everybody needs to have that um, relationship with nature so that they can kind of like see it as something that they need to have like a stewardship of, something that they need to kind of like protect and preserve. That's one of the, the, the main things that I think. And I think moving forwards, I would like Black Girls Hike to do more within kind of like the environmental sphere. But our biggest thing at the moment is just kind of like connecting people to nature so that they can start to care about it. I think that's one of the the big issues that we face in terms of um, the lack of engagement and people feeling disconnected. They've not been invited into a, into a conversation that is really important to them and to their future. Um, so I think, yeah, that's definitely one of the things we want people to kind of like be stewards. The quote I used in the introduction is that you, you describe nature as being, you know, therapy for your mind, body and soul. And it is very much this holistic well-being from uh, being in the outdoors and do you think that once people flip over into that oh right I feel good because I've been on a walk do you think it then becomes more addictive but is the hard bit getting people out onto the you know getting the boots on them in the first place and do we need to do more of that to solve the climate problem. Yeah, we definitely need to do more to get people out because nature, I don't know if it's like crack, you're like addicted instantly, which is probably not very <laughs> good um, <laughs> thing to say. But yeah, like nature, it, is, it has been really addictive for me and it's just kind of like one constant inspiration. Whenever I'm outdoors, I'm always thinking about, it makes me feel really powerful, but I'm always thinking about like other things I could do in the outdoors. So like a couple of years ago, I never even really hiked, but now like I run a hiking group. I've got a kayak. I went um, paragliding. I've been paragliding twice recently. Um, and it just makes me feel like, um, I wouldn't say I'm invincible, but um, it's just it's just the abundance, isn't it? And the opportunity and there's so many ways for you to grow. I consider nature to be, for me, it's been like, it's a playground, it's a classroom, it's been a hospital, um, it's been really healing. And I just think the more you learn about nature, the more ways that then it can like um, improve your life because you know more things about it. Do you think we should be um, prescribing walking boots on the NHS? Yes. So social prescribing is something that Black Girls Hike are hoping that we can kind of like get involved in soon because there's so many 
other people are so quick to go to the doctors in this country and there's so many other holistic ways that we can actually be healing ourselves um and i just think as a society in general we should move towards that as well um just for the benefit of us all really go towards more natural things rather than synthetic things um it, obviously it makes more sense um it's just funny that they say like oh do you think that would be a good idea like how could it not be a good idea it's nature <laughs> First Mile is the UK's leading waste management service. We help over 30,000 businesses reduce their carbon impact with our award-winning range of recycling solutions. Go to our website, which is thefirstmile.co.uk to get started today. If you're enjoying this episode, don't forget to subscribe. We have brand new episodes every Wednesday. And so you, you've started in 2019 put your walking boots on and got more people out there hiking. What is Black Girls Hike now? Is it a lobby organization? Are you a charity? What's what's the, because all, all sort of businesses or charities or ideas evolve over time. And wh- where have you got to now? And what what's the business now? Oh, so now it's just become like this all-consuming thing. It's like, (laughs) I talk about it like it's a child and I just ramble on. I don't have any children, but I used to work in an office with people that had them. Um, So I've just become one of them people now. Um, We are now nationwide. We're um, a registered CIC, so we're a non-profit. We have like leaders all over the country. We just became um, a training provider with Mountain Training so that now we can deliver navigation skills um, because that's one of the barriers to the outdoors. People just not necessarily knowing how to access them. Um, We started doing international trips last year. So we went to Madeira. We're going to Ghana in a few weeks. We do like activity weekends. Um, so we'll like hire out a YHA, we'll do things like kayaking, climbing, and we get a range of people. So like we get people in the late sixties that come to Black Girls Hike. It's really, really intergenerational. One of the people that's coming on our Ghana trip is like 68. So it's kind of like, and it's really nice as well to kind of just, I feel like it's the wisdom that we get from the older community as well. Um, and hearing about their experiences with nature over time. And a lot of them have never really had the opportunity to like be in a space like, but like black girls hike. Um, so we wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say that we are lobbying as such because I founded the group. And when I founded the group, I worked in the civil service. I'm not necessarily like, I'm not an EDI expert. I'm not an expert on the environment. What I would like us to do moving forwards is create some kind of like a a focus group within Black Girls Hike because so many people reach out to us as an organisation because of of our platform. It would just make sense for us to, you know, have people with those skills to, you know, do that kind of lobbying. I have also, I'm um, I'm a trustee now for UK Youth for Nature um, and what they do is they hold the government um, accountable to um, nature restoration. And it's funny what you said about the um, the, the environment being in decline, because um, I had to read all of these statistics. And like I said, that um, 
the outdoors used to be my playground. When I was younger, me and my friend, we used to go and collect these little black and white caterpillars in a jar and they were everywhere. You would see them everywhere. And when I was thinking about it recently, I was like, nah, I don't hardly ever see those. And then UK Youth for Nature sent out some statistics and they said like 60% of flying insects have gone. And I was thinking about when we was younger when we would go on drives and like your registration plate would have bugs all over it. And now that's just not a thing. And because it's, you've not no, you've not kind of like paid attention to it over time. You've not noticed its decline. Um, but now I'm thinking about the fact that I always used to have hedgehogs in my garden when I was younger and I would try and make them a house out of a bucket, I'd like turn the bucket on its side and put like lettuce in it. Never have hedgehogs in my garden. Not seen a hedgehog in, in years. And what's the what's the question you get or the feedback? Which what's the sort of because you're going to have some people who go on a walk and they go, oh, it's not for me or whatever. Is there a is there something that is there a sort of a, a barrier or a problem or you know people say, well, you know, my trainers got dirty or my feet got blistered or I got it was raining or I hate the English weather or <laughs> what's the one of the things that I think is one of the is the big barrier is the language that we use so people have this idea of a hike and they feel like they're going to be like sweating on the top of a mountain collapsed and it's not like yeah. that so someone tweeted us the other day and she said I went on my first black girls hike and I didn't die I think it's just kind <laughs> of like realizing that it's literally just walking with a little bit of elevation but not always even that yeah, and I, I guess that's the outdoor brands as well, because they all wanted to, they, they all wanted to make us feel like we're climbing Everest with their with their kit. Yeah, and we use things words like challenges and like endurance. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that, and that's kind of that's what we want to show with Black Girls Hike that you can get in the outdoors. There's a level for everybody. You can build up to anything, but you can start really really easy. When I was listening to one of your podcasts, probably from a year or two ago, you still were working and had another is 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 black girls hike now your full-time job it yeah, sounds it's, like it is it's it's more than a full-time <laughs> job <laughs> it's actually more than a full-time job at the moment and um, we were trying we're still trying to get funding you know so we can get over staffing so we're like loads of different hats and the other day i realized that it had been four years of black girls hike and i keep saying last year meaning like 2020 because everything goes so fast when you're just kind of like on it all the time and but yeah I do do this full time now and we've got some staff and we're also we're about to launch a youth program this year as well and we're going to become a Duke of Edinburgh provider as well and so it's all going on. It sounds like it really is all going on and then you're also sort of widening out your activities as well I mean I think I heard you talking about um I read, read somewhere that you, you're doing forest bathing and healing healing retreats. We had someone talking in the last series about forest bathing in, in some of the UK's in Cornish temperate rainforest. We have rainforest in the UK. Yeah, we do have rainforest. There's a really, really interesting account on Twitter called the Irish Rainforest. And if you don't follow it, you should definitely follow it. It's absolutely fantastic. Such an educational page. I love it. But um, yeah, we have done some forest bathing. Um, we've not really done it necessarily as a, as a, as a big group. I did it um, in Kent recently with their with their team at the AONB. Um, but we would like to do more kind of like therapeutic things with Black Girls Hike. Um, we've done some painting, but I'd like us to do like more art in the outdoors and find find different ways for us to like connect to in the outdoors. Yeah. 
And then are you, so you're very sort of, you know, getting out there, getting into nature. Have you been asked to help and bring your, sort of bring the outdoors into the city and get people to get more a- access to, to nature within city bounds? Or is that something that's, that's actually just too busy for? We've kind of been too busy for that. We are, um, we have been invited to like an environment round table, which is quite loads of other um, black and Asian organisations. Um, and that's in a couple of weeks, but we haven't specifically been um, contacted about like the air pollution because I'm really aware of that. The the young black girl that died in, it was in London, wasn't it? And then it was a mum that started the campaign. Um, so yeah, we am really conscious of that. Um, but no, I think it's, that's something that we would love to do in the future. When we have more capacity, we'll definitely get involved in stuff like that. And I'd also be interested in your sort of view on climate change and the sort of the wider environmental debate and, and talking about climate change and solving climate change. From your perspective, do you feel that that's white as well, or a white domain, or do you feel that that, you know, on the global scale has enough representation from everybody or do you think that's also a sort of a white lens yeah I don't I don't I wouldn't say and I say that much representation in actual climate change so I think that I tend to be in stuck in kind of like an echo chamber so most of the people that I follow online are would be like the black environmentalist and obviously what most of what they're talking about is the is the lack of inclusion in the overall environmental um conversation um and then I was also do you remember when they had the um, the picture um, of the activist and they cropped out the black girl? And that wasn't, that was like last year or the year before. And yeah, I can imagine that there's loads of um, amazing voices within that um, sphere and you only really hear about one or two um, and it's never the people of colour. Um, so yeah, I do think that is um, something, a space where they need to do more to be inclusive and engage the people that are more disproportionately impacted by the change. But yeah, but then for me, it just kind of seems like, from what I can see of it, it's, it's just all like capitalism and politics. And that's kind of like, there's people shouting, but it's the people with the money and the power that are not budging. Are you finding on a personal level that you've now built this successful charity and, and you're helping so many other people that you're now not getting out and doing enough hiking yourself or are you managing to look after yourself and get out there are you going for a walk after this no I've got another I've got other zooms <laughs> so it's funny because I was saying recently I spend most time more my time on the train now looking at the outdoors than I actually do in the outdoors and um, because this is always something that you can be doing to grow black girls hike and um, but I'm trying to travel as much as possible this year and try and see if I can have like a bit of a balance where I'm like doing enough hours as I need to and also kind of like not allowing it to be completely all consuming and making sure that I still go on adventure and so I booked myself a trip I'm going to Norway to do some kayaking in the fjords there I'm gonna go to Egypt in a few weeks do like a train journey so yeah we're trying and what's coming up that you can tell us about in the next sort of six twelve months what are the exciting initiatives that are going to be happening I have some big, big news, but I can't really fully, fully announce it yet. But what else is coming up? Um, We're basically going to be doing more projects. We'll be expanding across the country. We'll have more leaders. We're doing more international trips. So for the people listening in, they now need to go and check out your site to hear this big news that you can't tell us. How do they find you? So you can find me on Instagram at Rianne's World. 
Um, and you can also go on the BGH website, which is www.bghuk.com. Excellent. And what does success look like? So you've you've started something big that's growing and, and like all these things, you're sort of now trying to corral your limited resources into the areas that you're most interested in and have the most impact. If you fast forward six months, a year, two years, five years, 20 years, I don't know how your time horizons look. What does success look like for Rhianne and Black Girls Hike? Success for Rhianne and Black Girls Hike is more than, what was it? What, 1% of people that visit the countryside, that number needs to go out the window. I want to see rep, more representation um, across all the outdoor organisations. Equity in the outdoors is success. That's what success looks like. People feeling like there's no barriers to them exploring and adventuring. Um, people kind of like having aspirations of them in certain roles within the outdoors. That's what success looks like. And just, yeah, the outdoors being more more accessible, people enjoying it more, seeing more people thrive there, people protecting the environment. Um, because it's it's a community space, isn't it, really? Um, the environment. And, and, and that's what I want people to see it as. It's like going into your living room almost, like, and there's just other people there. It's like a community space. And also, yeah, we've just had that silly right to roam ruling. I would like to see us have more access to the countryside and for us to stop getting stuck in these conversations about things that are fair. Do you know what I mean? Like we should be able to access the countryside. It shouldn't be a case that one person with X amount of money can stop that kind of things. I feel like people need to, we need kind of like that mass trespass energy in us again. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. So for you to get hit that success parameter, what, what what should listeners be doing to help you get there? Send us money. We always need money. If you ever see me sit outside Morrison's, I'm collecting for Black Girls Hike. Um, so yeah, send us money. Share your resources with us, whether it kind of be like skills that you've got that could help us grow. That would be great. Um, share our work with relevant people um, and challenge challenge things that you see that are unfair and challenge people not being included and just make sure that you can be a voice and just be mindful that you have more privilege than you think you do. So, you know, speak up and get that um, mass trespass energy in your belly. Excellent. I love that. Are there any climate initiatives that you're getting excited about? I know you're not a, you know, a climate change professional, but I just think what you're doing is so relevant for this. And, you know, do you follow the the sort of climate change initiatives? What What's the thing that's sort of piquing your interest at the moment? I don't know if this is a climate change initiative that's, but um, I've been following the um, the rivers in the stuff at the moment and the sewage going into the rivers and um, because I wanted to start doing like some outdoor swimming and I do kayaking. Um, so I've been following that a little bit, but no, to be honest, I wouldn't really say that I follow the climate movement that much, but that's only because when you run an organisation like this, you just kind of like the tunnel vision is absolutely insane. You just don't even know what's going on in the outdoor outside. (laughs) On this show, we're building a hall of fame for climate heroes. And we always ask our wonderful guests to leave something in First Mile's Climate Heroes Hall of Fame. So what or who would it be? I'm going to put in there... Um, Lucy Lapwing, 
um, who is um, like a nature nerd. And she also works as like a researcher on like Autumn Watch and Spring Watch. And she's kind of like a, a nature influencer. And the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm saying her is because her content is so inspiring and so engaging that it makes you kind of like, gives you like a newfound love for wildlife and you've realised why everything's important. And because of her, and I no longer hoover up moths and I no longer hoover up spiders and I let them all out. It used to be like, I would see something and be like, yeah, you're going in the hoover. And then she just <laughs> kind of like gave me a more of appreciation that can't be taking these little things out of the um, food chain and the circle of life. Um, but I think she's she's great at kind of like getting people interested. Um, and I think that's the first step, isn't it? Yeah. And um, so I would say I would say Lucy Lapwing. That's brilliant. I'll check her out. I've never heard of this. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. She's fantastic. She'll just be there like sniffing out of poo and like being really excited about it. And you're just like, oh, it's really interesting sniffing out of poo. Cool. <laughs> brilliant. And, and the second thing I'm asking people at the moment, this isn't a political podcast, but I just think, you know, at this point in time, if you could have a one-to-one with either Rishi Sunak or Keir Starmer, what, what was, what's the key message you'd land on them? Oh, it would be difficult because they don't care about the environment at all, do they not? They're all just in, in the pockets of big business that are kind of like destroying the environment. I don't actually know what I would say to them, to be honest. I don't even know if I'd be able to speak to them. I feel like they're those type <laughs> of people where you would see them and get so mad that you might get upset because they're actually just crooks, aren't they? <laughs> I love it. We, we'll get, we'll get, give them some boots and get them to get into nature, um, say nothing. Rianne, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on First Month's Climate Heroes. Super interesting what you're doing. Uh, really, really like it. Before we go, is there any message for the listeners? And if you can re- remind us once again of how people can find you, that'd be great. My message for the listeners is take care of nature and the environment and it'll take care of you. Um, and if you would like to find Black Girls Hike, you can find us at www.bghuk.com and you can follow me at Rianne's World on Instagram. Fantastic. That's brilliant, Rianne. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Great to meet you and great to listen to your story. Thank you. I'm Bruce Bratley, and you've been listening to First Miles Climate Heroes, where we meet incredible people making an impact to tackle climate change. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and subscribe to the show. We have brand new episodes every Wednesday.